another double murder at the Apple factory this week. They were just married. Looks like they didn't get there happily ever after. Tonight on Two C's in a Pod. 96.7 on your... Two C's in a pod, 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 two C's just like two C's in a pod, two C's because we're two C's in a pod, two C's just like two C's in a pod, two C's in a pod at gmail.com. Welcome to two C's in a pod, everybody. I took so long to plan that. I probably took half an hour. That's the best I could come up with. I think you spent half the time scrubbing through the song to find that exact <laughs> moment. You're like, you say to yourself, it's this, it's like a seven and a half minute song. You're like, no, it happens way before a minute to go. Uh, no, it doesn't. <clears throat> yeah, I tried. I tried so hard. I went through the song. I kept skipping. Like, I don't have seven minutes to listen to a song to find it. So I ended up just going to YouTube and finding it. The fans know. Oh, welcome know, to two seasons. Fans know the amount of time you spent. That's right, two seasons pod. My name's Cameron Osborne. My name's Cam Leclaire. And uh, God, we sound so solemn suddenly. So solemn. Oh, there's a double murder at the Apple factory. Okay. Oh, oh he's, he's he's grabbing his phone. Well, there was a double murder at the Apple factory. Right, 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 right. Because and and they, they were just married this week. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> Looks like they didn't get there. Happily ever after. God damn it. <laughs> you know, whenever we get a sound, whenever we get a soundboard, uh, Cam, I know that'll be one of the first things you want to put on a soundboard. You're wearing your over-the-top uh, David Caruso-style sunglasses. Just pure Ray-Bans being tossed off your head there. They're solid until you need to rip them off. And then they're good to go. I can't believe he gutted him from the inside out. Looks like he was rotten to the core. <laughs> that one didn't land as well. I don't think that, that, one, that one didn't quite land as well for me. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, slowly kind of turning into a CSI Miami themed show. Uh, Cam, you've got shorts and uh, a, a shirt with like a um, like a, a tropical pocket. Yeah, skies kind of, out, thighs out. Kind of design, you know. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a tank top here myself because it is a beautiful day. It's a beautiful, yeah. hot, global warming style day here in June. Dads and grads, this is your month. You get one. Dads, grads, you get one month a year. The rest of the years, you can go fuck. Off. But yeah, that's about right. We've just kind of stuck our tip into the month here of June, uh, which will lead into July. Of course, the corporate retreat coming hot at the beginning of July. We are a mere weeks away from that. Um, and then leading throughout the uh, the rest of uh, hot, what, what, what do we call it? Hot white boy summer? What did, what did Chet Hot Hanks? white boy summer. Hot white boy summer. Uh, no, thanks uh, I think it's a white boy summer. Yeah, but I want to I wanna make it hot white boys because I don't want just every single white guy out there. You know, 
partying it up. I think it's also a Black Queen summer, if I remember correctly. Oh, I, I haven't I haven't seen that movie. No, no, no. That's uh, I think he got in a little bit of trouble for calling it a white boy summer and then doubled down and said, but it's also a black queen summer. I'm also selling those T-shirts. Oh, see, I doubled down just the other way. Like, it's not just a white boy summer. No, it's a hot white boy summer. Like, you need to be hot in order to, you know, kind of have this. If you're a fat white guy. You do not count. You are exempt from. I kind of specified the category a little bit more specifically because, yeah, who doesn't want to give one to uh, you know a guy with nice abs, pecs, uh, good, uh, a well-formed delt, good trap, a good trap, nothing like a good trap. Yeah, everyone loves a good oblique into the cum gutter, right down to your. Uh, I unfortunately, I think only men. Uh, <laughs> that's. I think that's one of those things that only men uh, desire. I don't think women care so much uh, either way. Let's know. You know that muscle that goes like it's above your lat, but it's not your lat. That it's just like a ball that's pretty much like at your armpit level. Yes. Yeah. What's that one? I don't know, but it's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. I, that's I what do, you like to see. I do feel as though you know you could spend hours. Days, weeks, months, years in the gym, and you'll still probably get the most compliments from the other men in the gym. In, in yeah. the gym, uh, no matter how hard you work, men on your form, uh, you will never be objectified the way that you want to. You will only be objectified by men. Uh, and who wants that? I think everybody wants that, though. I mean, uh, the ultimate comp- the ultimate compliment's not a woman saying like, "That's a good squad." It's a guy going like, "Go, go! Oh my god!" Yeah, oh my it, god, he did it! It's a guy pushing. Holy shit! It's a guy pushing you through your new PR while you're covered with vomit. And he's literally, uh, <laughs> dude's like ripping off their shirts, just so pumped up because you hit the new gym PR. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I'll show up to the gym. I'll do the little pre-cut in the top of my shirt. You know, just kind of cut through, cut through the hem a little bit. Classic Hulk Hogan move. Cut through the hem a little bit. That way, if you do need to rip your shirt off, it's much easier because getting through that initial uh, the collar there is the hardest part about ripping your shirt off. The rest will uh, come. Yeah, the rest, yeah, the rest will, will come. It's just it's that first tear that gets that it first, gets the rookies. They don't think about these kind of things. You don't think about it. See, folks, if you were, if you're planning on tearing off your shirt, this is why you need a little bit of a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of extra juice there. A little bit of extra squeeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love the gym. Can't wait to get back into it. It's been all kettlebells, all bag work, all... Um, fuck do you call it? Cycling work. But uh, cycling's off right now. Broke both my bikes last week. How'd you break the other one? Uh, derailleur. The, I got my derailleur caught in my spokes and it pulled the derailleur hanger. Now I'm waiting on a replacement part from California. So hopefully it comes in within the next week. Wow. You know what? Uh, with with of course the cycling shortage of things, Cam, you've broken more bikes in a one week time period than I think I broke throughout two and a half decades of cycling. And now, you're- of course, we're cycling to different amounts. You know, I would be fun bike ride with a friend in the evening, where of course yeah. you're going for multiple K. But still, I think the over two the over two plus decades of bike use that I had. It's still much more time than the amount that you're kind of spending right there. Uh, I think less kilometers, though. I think in one year, I did more kilometers than you did over 10 years. That could be possible. That could be possible. It's uh, that could be possible. But I, I you keep I, you breaking. You're breaking these bikes in a way that seem like not kilom- like a, a kilometer use specific. You're just breaking the shit out of them. 
Well, no, it is. It's definitely like a wear and tear. Like the one that I broke recently was the cable on the Specialized. That was from shifting improperly. It's because the the sh- cable got pretty old. Mm. But enough bike talk. Hey, I heard we're going to open the phone line soon, but we'll, we'll jump into that in a few minutes time. Um, what else is cracking, Cam? Do we have any notes and corrections from last week? Oh, sure. Let's get into some notes. Let's move forward with the week with first moving backwards. Uh, to talk about the week, let's get into some notes. Notes. We got some notes. We got some notes. 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 We got some notes. Notes. From... And amendments. No, I don't. Nope. Nope. No, it's not. Uh, getting into some notes from last week, we were talking about uh, the two cases, I guess, from last week where NBA fans uh, improperly interacted with players on court. Uh, we had somebody trying to spit on Trey Young. We had somebody trying to, uh, or somebody successfully empty up all their popcorn onto Russell Westbrook, who had to be held back like a like a wild dog. Uh, like the one of the last people on the face of the earth you'd probably want to fuck with earlier on the week. Also at the Watching Wizards game, we had a, a fan on the court, which you see so seldomly um, in basketball. Probably because you know you're gonna get you're gonna get tackled to the ground anyways. I would rather get tackled on the soft, on a soft outfield. Than a hard, uh, you know, baseline on the basketball court, but that's beside the point. We got us talking about it was the Ty, infamous Ty Domi incident. Uh, we can all remember that beautiful uh, March 29th, 2001, when uh, when Ty Domi squirted his water bottle. Uh, so here's what's happening, right? We're in Philadelphia, who, well, you know, got to be one of the most one one of the most ravaging fan bases to begin with. And Ty Domi squirted his water bottle up above the glass when he was in the penalty booth, uh, taking on a fire flan, uh, fire flyers fan. My mistake, sorry. Named Christopher Falcone, who began yelling back and eventually was climbing the glass. The glass gave way and he fell through. And him and Domi got several punches in back and forth before the linesmen were able to uh, calm the scene and then. The the rink repairman had to come and put the uh, put the thing back up. But our question was, well, what what happened to the fan? Of course, these two fans dumping popcorn and spitting have received lifetime bans from their respective arenas. Uh, what was going to happen for this uh, fan in Philadelphia? Well, actually, nothing. He got to stay and watch the rest of the game, even as the rink crew were repairing the glass uh, beside him. Ty Domi, on the other hand, was fined $1,000, which was the maximum amount of money that he could have been fined at the time, but received no suspension. Um, After the game, of course, uh, conversations between Leafs PR and kind of the venue management of like, okay, we need to kind of rectify this situation on a, on a personal level. And it turns out that uh, Falcone and Taidomi actually worked it out with a simple handshake. Taidomi flew Falcone and his family up to Toronto for two playoff games, put them up in a nice hotel, and everything is good now. Falcone said that um, he loves that he is a part of a huge Philadelphia sports moment, and he says to this day, continues to get an outpour of support from fans, or anytime the Flyers are in the playoffs, he will always see a rise in his in his tags on Facebook and, uh, and things like that, because I, I think it's one of those moments, it's cool now. Like, it's a cool thing that happened in the history of, uh, of you know, not only hockey, but if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, of course you remember that happening. It's it's one of the top 
top tens or just like a segment on the top tens of sports center you're ever going to see yeah constantly revolving oh certainly it's one in terms of you know and it's it's you know and kind of in retrospectively you know speaking uh i'm sure russell westbrook has never appreciated any of the opportunity any of the chances that a fan has taunted racial slurs at him uh but i don't know something about uh something about a crazy hockey fan climbing up and getting you know getting some smacks in there uh seems endearing he did get the shit kicked out of him uh we're let's not uh celebrate this guy he got the shit kicked out of <laughs> by I saw a video by Tom, yesterday by Tom Ty Domi. I saw a video yesterday of a drunk guy heckling a UFC fighter who didn't know was a UFC fighter in a restaurant and then the UFC fighter took a double leg takedown and choked him out and then he was like I got him detained don't worry. Now that sounds like one of those uh things you know like Bruce Lee's hands were technically weapons. Like a UFC fighter should not be just allowed. Like you shouldn't. They should not be allowed to just put somebody in a rear naked choke. They could actually really hurt that person. That's a huge risk, I'd say. Right? You know, for getting sued and this, that, the other. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, the guy was being a loud mouth, and he he uh, dealt with him gracefully without actually hurting the man. Without actually hurting him. I mean, he put him to sleep, but that's because he was being a loudmouth in a restaurant and like causing a bunch of chaos. And the owner was like, get this guy the fuck out of here. Call the police. And he's like, who needs the police when you got whatever, whatever it is. You got, you got, put Cam's putting his sunglasses back on a UFC fighter in house. All right. Tore his, with tore that, his sunglasses back off. Yeah, we'll have to follow up on that story because I would, that would seem like one of those case, things where you know, like a civil, a civil case erupts where, uh, yeah, oh, we'll see. But yeah, those are all those are all the notes for last week. Uh, just the Tidomi thing. Tidomi still kicking out there, uh, doing his thing. All right. Well, we're gonna open up our phone lines here, so everyone dial in here. Uh, we got our first caller on the line. Um, we got a, uh, I believe this is a, a Michael. Michael calling in? Uh, yeah, Michael uh, Cameron Kern. Uh, Cameron's my middle name. Okay, perfect. Uh, what can we, what can help you? You're, you're calling live to two season of pod. Uh, good morning, Michael Cameron Cobb Kern. Good morning. Uh, I really wish I could hear the other Cam as well, but I just want to say, Cam, uh, I hope you're doing well. I miss you. And, uh, yeah, hope you're doing great. Uh, today, I just have a little question about how to apply Shamwa butter. This is for you, Cam LeClaire. Um, I went on a nice little ride this morning and accidentally hit some rumble strips, and I'm pretty sure I tore a layer of skin off of my paint. Ah, pretty classic. Classic tearing the skin off the taint. This is, uh, something we see this pretty common. This is a classic? This is a classic. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for calling in, Cam. Well, we or uh, Cam Kern. Uh, I didn't Kern. catch his name. It's uh, calling from Chicago. I'm not sure. Um, thanks for calling in. We will. Uh, so typically, what I like to do for the Shamwaz cream is really get it moist. And Shamwaz cream, for those who don't know, is something. It's some kind of like buttery substance that you put on your bicycle shorts so that you don't get the rumble strip gooch tear. How do you like to apply it? I like to put it directly in the middle of the shorts and rub it together like two pancakes that you rub together, and that really applies it well to get a nice, smooth layering. Uh, so thanks for the call, Michael. Um, 
we'll uh, we'll leave the phone lines open. If anyone else wants to call, we'll leave it for another five minutes. I know that they'll be hot, but we got things to move on to. I think this was also the yeah, this was a very informative phone call. I really appreciate that because usually usually our phone calls are uh, taunting either myself or Cam on, uh, you know, kind of vague things that we passed over from previous episodes. Of course, as you can remember, we had a caller, you know, and we would love to hear these things. If we say something in an episode once, please call us about it. And then um, as a follow up, you know, is Cam still fucking Chris's brother? We don't know. We'll these never are the, find these out. These are the types of questions that we need to know. Of course, old slobs remember that Cam uh, attended a bro surgery Bro surgery, uh, which did uh, kind of uh, kind of devolve into an after party where Cam was sort of at this fraternity style party, uh, partying up there with the uh, Hirajuku girls. We can all remember from the which uh, I did not know were a thing until you let me know. Which were, uh, as we can all remember, the uh, the the not offensive at all characters that accompanied Gwen Stefani on her uh, on her hollaback girl tour uh we are these are all just references that every that we all remember the old the old slobs remember old slobs remember the harajuku girls um a tasteful <laughs> they remember the cocaine room yeah I'll, old old slobs old slobs remember this uh thanks for the phone call though it's been a while since we've had some phone calls let us know to seasonbot at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you uh leave your voice notes if you got anything you want to plug, um, any any products, you know, uh, if you if you still you can still use promo code two C's to get fifteen percent off your own pizza Tony's pizza by Tony, uh, just fresh, fresh out the pizza oven, fresh out the pizza, fresh out the oven, fresh out the gooch, fresh out the sack. Don't forget about our old episodes, everyone. Listen up, uh, we got. I'm just going through the classics here. The early two thousands cartoon reference show, Missionary Position Mission. From first posted to last posted, never eat shredded wheats. Episode 21, this podcast is a Jacob Ladder situation. Go back, find the gems out there. Hey, Cam, I know we were speaking about sports a minute ago. You were talking about Ty Domi just giving it to him and then finding the actual regulations to get him find the maximum money, which brings us in to our top five. Here's a top five. Here are five tips about Cam, old slobs of the show will remember this. Spoke about this last week. What did I say I was going to do this week, and what did I? What am I going to do? I think you were doing. Uh, it was either like uh, crazy rules, yeah, or I'm fun close. Uh, like stats or something like that. So it is the top five breaking through loopholes in sports. Yes, yes. This came up somehow. I don't really remember, but it did. It did. So, Cam, coming off on our list, this will be a list of players or coaches who have found ways to bend the rules in their favor to, uh, you know, make make it a little bit more unfair or fair for them, whatever you want to call it. Coming up at number five, Carter Caps of the MLB, Miami Marlins, actually came to the league in 2015 with a relatively odd pitch delivery, which some might call the stutter step. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you know it's 60.6 feet to the uh, rubber where you'd be pitching from, which is deemed a fair distance for both the batter as well as the pitcher. Now, what Carter Caps did 
and was deemed somewhat controversial but deemed legal by the league is when he pitches, he drags his foot, pops it up a little bit, and then releases the pitch. So he's actually about, you know, a foot or two closer to the the um, the plate than he originally was. You have to check out the video online. It's an interesting delivery where it's slide, pop, and then throw. The, the arm doesn't actually create any movement until that sliding happens. Take a look online. It's a relatively interesting uh, setup that he has for it. That has been deemed legal, even though some batters hate it. But he gets to be a full, I guess, arm length closer. Uh, oh, yeah. Significantly. To the batter. Significant, yeah, significantly closer. Um, so take a look at that online. That's, I, I think that's a fun one. A little bit better than the rules in baseball because baseball has notoriously been beaten down with the rules because it's one of the oldest sports. There's like Next. three rules to baseball. Isn't one of them you have to pitch from the mound? Come on, baseball. Get your shit together. There's three rules. Three strikes, you're out. Pitch from here. Tag them on the bag. Those are the on- those are the only three rules to baseball. Uh, and so, of course, they're going to be a stickler to one of them. Next up on the list is from the NFL, where this was actually discovered last year, where Alex Smith accidentally exposed a major loophole in the rules when refs were forced to stop the clock. And this, if you're not a sports fan, football has very weird rules for when the clock runs and when it doesn't run. Now, Cam, you used to play football. I believe it stops when the ball is out of bounds. That's correct. Am I right about this? Okay. So after being tackled, Alex Smith ran off the field onto the sidelines to get a new ball, therefore stopping the clock, which gave his team enough time to kick a field goal, which he wouldn't have originally had been able to do. Cam, you, you hear about this? You see this? You hear about see this? this? Do you hear about this? I love this one. Yeah, I love this one. Yeah, so it's called an administrative stoppage, big loophole, and uh, we'll see if we can... I don't know. I don't think they have actually corrected that loophole yet. Well, I mean, and that, and that happens all the time, right? In baseball, the ump has, you know, five or six more balls in his gut uh, ready to go, right? In case one gets dinged, one gets nicked, right? But when it comes to football, basketball, they're replacing the balls all the time, right? It's like when you're watching a basketball game or a hockey game and there's suddenly a TV timeout. It feels like that should not be allowed. All the players are tired. One team has one timeout left. It's a close game, blah, blah, blah. Then suddenly the media says, nope, timeout. Everybody gets a break. Uh, that shit sort of happens in all the sports, right? So, yeah, nothing wrong with the quarterback going asking for another ball. It's the game's fault uh, that they want to uh, stop. That's not his fault. Fair enough. Next up on the list, Cam, this one's uh, this one's been adopted quite widely in the NBA and uh, adequately announced the Hack-A-Shack rule. So this is originally adopted from the Dallas Mavericks coach, Don Nelson, used to gain pretty much, or maybe not gain, but stop opponents from scoring by fouling their worst free thrower. So this was originally used against the Detroit Pistons, Dennis Rodman, because he was notoriously a bad free throw thrower. The idea being here is whenever that person gets the ball, foul him. He will now have to take shots off the line, which he is probably going to miss. Adequately named Hackashack, the Hall of Famer, Shaquille O'Neal, because he himself is a terrible free thrower. 
Yeah, <clears throat> another classic, another classic uh, loophole. I think, uh, you know, they've talked for years and years about how to avoid, uh, about how to avoid this, you know, like removing team fouls after two or like within two minutes, all these sorts of things uh, to get around it. Because, yeah, the pace of play just slows down immediately. Uh, and it's terrible. It's terrible to watch. The, the worst part about being a basketball fan is watching a close game with two minutes to go. Uh, because that two minutes extrapolates itself to 35 minutes. Uh, Somehow. With a couple timeouts, a couple TV timeouts. Uh, and then, of course, you're hacking, you're hacking, right? So then you got to move all the, you gotta, you're walking all the way down to the floor to get these free throws done. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a classic move. It's a, it's a good move. The next two on the list actually come from the same coach, uh, notoriously clever Roger Nielsen. Does his name ring a bell at all, Cam? Mm-hmm. Roger Nielsen uh, came up with two, I think, of the best loopholes I've ever seen in sports. All right, so the first one, number two on the list. He exploited the rule in the NHL that you are not allowed to have less than three skaters on the ice. So in the NHL, if you are to get a penalty, you can put one person in the penalty box, and now is a five-on-four advantage. If you were to get another penalty, it'll now be a five-on-three. You can get no less than this players on the ice. Knowing this, what Nielsen would do in hopes of running down a clock in the final minute or two would deliberately order additional one of his players onto the ice for an additional too many men on the ice infraction. Now, how this works is you don't actually get the penalty called against you until you touch the puck or gain possession. So you could then have too many players on the ice and because you can't have, um, and because you can now force the opposing team because you can just avoid them from setting up a uh, offensive zone play. You are intentionally driving down the clock without actually facing any repercussions because every additional penalty you get will now actually reduce your uh, players on the ice. So a really fun rule. It did get corrected later on um, to avoid this. And what is now the rule is if you do use the strategy, it will now be a penalty shot. That's too bad because it's implying that the referees know what's going on in the players and coaches mind. Like in the NFL, when you have too many men on the field, it is never a play they run. It's an accident. Yeah. Right. Uh, but imagine, you know, you're on the you're, you're you're killing the penalty. You're doing whatever. And there's too many men on the ice. It's a flat out accident. Somebody miscommunicated, but you're penalized for that. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know if I like that one. I do like the way around it, though. That is really funny. I just picture throwing eight men on the ice. Just don't touch the puck. Don't touch the puck. Don't Hammer touch everybody. the puck. Yeah. yeah take just penalties. People. Doesn't matter. Uh, just go for it. I do like that. I do like that. Uh, that's too bad that they rectified that. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, a very, very clever man coming up with our number one, also, Roger Nielsen. Wow. So... Um, this man obviously did a lot of digging into the rule book to find whatever loophole he could. Now, upon a penalty shot, which was against his team, he looked up the rules and said, oh, it does not explicitly say a goalie needs to be on the ice. Just one player, right? Presumably a goalie you'd want opposing the net. Well, he thought a little bit differently. As the opposing player was preparing to skate down the ice for the penalty shot, Nielsen would actually add a player into the crease 
to charge at the puck character and knock the puck away before the opponent could get even remotely close to the net to get a scoring chance. Nice, like like it, this, like it's slam ball or something. Basically, yeah, it's a lot easier to just have someone charge at you and then just not allow that person to get a shot off than to um, have a goal on a goalie. So pretty interesting strategy. This also got corrected related to more rule changes. Uh, Roger Nielsen, great for the sport for just finding ways around the rules. So that is the top five for the week, Cam. Yeah, I love I love finding ways around the rules. Eligero, cheat to win. Uh, but sometimes you don't even have to cheat. Sometimes you can just read between the lines and says, well, it says skater. It doesn't say... Skater, yes. It doesn't Goal say one. player with big pads and a glove and a blocker. It doesn't say, you know, go. I mean, hell, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the league's fault for not specifying these things. Okay, I remember where this came up now because we were talking about Trey Young and his whole backing into people to get a foul. I think that's where, uh, I think that's where this initially came up. Right. And then I said that my friend Dan would just um, like take a quick hack at the goalie, and then he would take a cross check, and he said it worked every time. Every time. Oh yeah. my god! I would get so many penalties on me <laughs> just because. So it, it's really funny because I played. I, I only played house league level hockey my whole life. You know, I never went up uh, anymore but I did play rep football so I had the so I had the physical aggression and wherewithal of you know a football player but I was also playing hockey and I was five foot seven 106 pounds so you can be super aggressive and know how to be aggressive but then also know when to go limp and how many times you could chase their biggest guy into the corner of the boards, rub him off the puck, be physical with their biggest dude, and then as soon as he comes back to you, just go limp and fall. It worked every single time I got into the head of every single, you know when you're 12 years old and you're just kind of, you're in that growth spurt, but you're still awkward about it? You don't know how to be tall. Or, it's you like know, my dog right now. A little chunky. You don't know how to be the size that you are. Um, I would take advantage of that all the time. Um, be super aggressive when you're going against them, because no ref is going to call a penalty on a little five foot seven kid going up against a kid who's six two, maybe 165 pounds. Nobody's going to look into that. But as soon as that guy who's six two throws you to the ground, oh fuck yeah, that's a penalty. Let's go, bud. Let's go. Let's go. That's a great strategy right there. That is a uh, that's a winning strategy of what I call it. At least I at least I thought it was. At least I thought it was. Well, that was fantastic, Cam. That was great. Thank you. Top Thank five. you. Five. Let us know if there's any other uh, any other fun rules or fun rule breaking you got there. Uh, two season a pod. Not rule breaking. Workarounds. I mean, it's not rule breaking, right? You can't blame somebody for you know, like, hey, I'm just I'm playing the rules. You guys didn't specify enough. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make the rules clear. Exactly. Hey Cam, let's uh, let's keep plowing ahead here. Uh, I think it's time to maybe do um, you know a looking back, maybe to the time of 1980, to a time we all remember sitting down on our couches. It's time for the nightcap. The Nightcap, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. 
All we need is five minutes to recap this week's episode. M- maybe less than five minutes, but certainly not more than five minutes. Oh, we're going to need more than five minutes. Ooh. Wow. Are you as hard as I am? The Nightcap. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, this podcast, uh, this new season of pod, and we bring you the Nightcap every week. We'll recap the uh, season one of the classic David Hasselhoff program, The Nightcap. Of course, we're bringing ourselves back to the fall winter of 1982 to present to you episode 13, Forget Me Not Camps, putting his sunglasses on. Oh, no, I thought he was putting on his sunglasses for a second to pull out something great. Uh, But as the rules go, we only have five minutes to break this down. Cam's going to cover the first half. I'm going to cover the second half. Cam, are you ready? Let's go, Chicha. Three, two, one, and we're in it. We open this shot with a shoreline where a bikini-clad lady in a summer home is with Michael Knight. Uh, He is apparently protecting her against who knows what at this point, but this is her protection home. Now, as this is going on, this is a pretty slow start to the episode, but we're learning that there's international politicians coming to town to an equestrian... I, I, I always script for the horse show um, <laughs> where, where there's going to be a threat on his life. This is all the intel we have going on at the moment. Now, Michael getting aware of this actually goes to an outdoor summer party to get a little reconnaissance on what is going on here, where the alleged hitman are going to be. After doing a little roundabout, you know, saying his hellos, grabbing a few appetizers and bumping into a lady and giving her some champagne. He finds out that one of the doors at the party is actually locked and there's some fishy business going on there. Now the lady they bumped in did get a little bit too drunk and ended up falling asleep in one of the beds where the bad guys are actually meeting. So they finish up the meeting and they realize that um, these hired guns are in a room where they have a witness passed out on the bed, waking up and saying, what am I doing here? Well, they go ahead and kidnap her and said, you know, we're going to give her the old cement shoes because this crazy broad knows a little too much. Well, as she's in the car driving away, Michael's in pursuit chasing after because he knows something's fishy going on. She jumps out of the car, falls down a cliff, and Michael, instead of going after the bad guys, uses his winch feature on Kit to rappel down the cliff and pick up her unconscious body. The higher... The hired guns are worried that they now have a loose end with her and now plan to get her back. Meanwhile, Michael drops off a mysterious suitcase at the equestrian show. We'll get back to that later. The girl wakes up from the party at Michael's house and recalls almost nothing but that she stopped, dropped her purse at the side of the cliff. Mike then repels down there to look and the hired guns stop him at gunpoint, demanding that he give back the purse to them. Cam, I'll pass it off to you. Right then... Kit, who's standing at the top of the hill, he goes into turbo mode, jumping off the, what looks like not a cliff at all, but takes out the bad guys, breaking their guns, uh, and they retreat in the boat, which they were coming in in the first place. So we take a look at a Mickey's purse where we find no ID, but we've got a key. So there's a door that could be open somewhere. Uh, Devin arrives with the potential photos of the kidnappers, who Mickey does not recognize, but she recognizes the name The Frenchman. Uh, one of the, he was the tall, the, the real tall, uh, bad 
that we found at the party. Um, but this is like the side plot. We still have to deal with the main assassination plot. So we follow uh, Burns, this character, the American, who drops off a package into a garbage can waiting for the drop off um, to come back. We go back to the house where we see Mickey seemingly dialing every single Joe Palmer in the phone book because she remembers Joe Palmer is the name of her husband. Uh, however, we do get a quick flash of the telephone book where we see that she called two J Palmers, a Jedediah Palmer, a Jerry Palmer, a Jewel Palmer, and then two Joe Palmers. Um, nobody's there uh, at all. Back at the drop-off, some derelict is scurrying through the garbage, but it turns out to be one of the bad guys because he's got that nice watch. He's pulling the old bum fake on us. Mickey gets a little more emotional because no one's reported her missing. However, she does stop on the television and notice that she's an actress in a soap opera. We follow our bum back to a hotel room, but he turns out that he escapes us. He's a little too fast for night and kid this week on the episode right then Mickey walks into our house um, now that she remembers everything but right when she walks into the living room someone applies a rear naked choke back at our main plot Devin and the international sender are watching some horses jump around uh, while a mystery man um, starts assembling a gun in a trailer Michael Knight breaks Mickey free from the captor and through a clever game of word association finds out that the bad guys are talking about an equestrian show which Devin seems to be at so the race is on to stop them we jump the rail to the show foil the suit shooter but he starts escaping on horseback and guess what we are in pursuit he takes us all the way to the stables and for once kit is the one who gets jumped over we catch up to the horse and who knew michael knight like the true american cowboy gets out the window lassos our bad guy and raises one fist for the u.s of a here in our epilogue though michael knight drives back up to the beach house um with a bouquet of flower well i mean it seems like he only has one bouquet of flowers but he may have two bouquet of flowers for our lead ladies our first implied threesome episode over wow nailed the timing on that one nailed the timing uh, i'm gonna call it a lackluster episode for the first half yeah, the, uh, well, well, no, well, the first half had to establish that there was, uh, you know, this whole missing uh, woman thing. I, I just felt like there was nothing going on. It felt like a lot of scenes and just like, you know, no plot, no plot thickening. No plot thickening. No, well, we were just helping, uh, helping middle America out of a jam, uh, which is, I think, every single week's episode of Knight Rider Season 1. Stay tuned to episode 14 next week. You don't even have to watch it because we're the ones uh, doing all the work over here. Yeah, this is like my ideal if someone were able to do this for me for everything. Is give me a five-minute summary of everything that went on. I don't know what I do with all my time. <laughs> this is our Jason 30, folks, so you better like it. Yeah. Hey, did you see that? Um, uh, you probably didn't see this. What am I I've been asking for? The uh, hit that Mark Shifley delivered on that Habs player last night or two nights ago? Uh, no. All right, we'll move on then. Um, you asked something about arrested development. This isn't a sports podcast, so uh, don't, 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 don't get I'm on a, me. I'm able, to, I'm able to throw a little bit of what I want in there. Well, you can throw what you want in there. I thought you were going to ask me again, did I watch that baseball game the other day, which I'm still jarred by that question. Uh, not many people ask me if I've watched a baseball game, so it was just Hey, really Cam, nice I'm to here to it. ask you the hard questions. That's why I'm here. Did you watch that baseball game? God damn it. I asked all my prospects that on the phone. I'm like, hey, did you catch the baseball game last night? They're like, which team? Like your favorite one. 
Did you catch that? Fa- did you catch your favorite team playing that sport you like? Oh, oh what a boy. what a game! Oh boy, the refs gotta need a new pair of glasses if you. Ask Can you believe me. the outcome? Can you believe the outcome of that game, of that sport? Because I can't. Oh, I can't boy. believe the score. The coach, the, the coach was so upset. Yeah. Oh, the losing team. Oh, they have to make some changes. Oh, that losing team. Come playoff time next year, that losing team better be on the other side of the of the of the win Fence? loss column. Win loss, yeah. The other side of that one. The win t- I'm not sure. Um Arrested Development. Anything? Word association? It's <laughs> talking about word association. That's right, Cam. Uh yeah, sure, I'll associate some words. All up and around here because we're moving on with the show. Uh, I think it's about time that we play a little bit of March Madness. All right, we got to make this one quick one to make it uh, on time, but let's do it. On time? Where we're going, we don't need time. Uh, Cam, we're talking about March Madness, which uh, incorporates the uh, the intricate science of bracketeering along with the uh, fun, creative, uh, just kind of thinking for yourself, Cam. That is right. You brought up Arrested Development. Because um, today we're uh, taking um, eight things, lining them up. We're finding our favorite Arrested Development character. Of course, the Bluth family runs deep. Fortunately, there's there's only eight, <laughs> so uh, so this actually works perfectly for our bracketing um, in general. So our first round matchup, uh, we have Lucille Bluth, the matriarch of the family, taking Rest on taking on uh, maybe Funke. Uh, now you know whether you've seen three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. Doesn't matter. All these characters have huge arcs and reasons to love them all. Uh, so Cam, we have Lucille taking on maybe. Well, maybe the perennial rebel in the family, always looking to push the narrative, such as what would our parents think if we were kissing cousins or further, versus Lucille Bluth, the consistently judgmental mother who uh, is an alcoholic and not seems to be much of a mother at all. Um, Who has a better storyline? I think overall, Lucille Bluth just drives home such a fun narrative of yes i am the mother yes i'm supposed to be responsible but i'm probably the least responsible but have the most power in the family type narrative uh for that reason i'm gonna go with lucille bluth lucille bluth the matriarch of the family in our second round matchup uh we have tobias funke taking on george senior Ooh, George Sr. There's the always money in the banana stand. There's always money in the banana stand. No one got the reference. There was physical money. Anyway, uh, if you haven't seen the show, definitely check it out. At least the first two seasons on Netflix. Um, two, what do you give me that face for? Watch all five. Watch all five. Ah, the last, well, first I of mean, all, the first two are going to sink no, in, and then all, you're going to watch them. First of all, you would say watch the first three. <laughs> because it was three seasons, and then... Yeah, you know, the show was canceled, then they came back. So uh, I don't know where you're getting at with two, but... Because I know that if you're going to watch two, you're going to watch five. Gotcha. Gotcha. Can't just selling them. Pushing them. Pushing them. Um, anyway, so we have George Sr., the escaped convict, turned... Did he turn Jewish? Islam? Uh, Some religion. No, he ha- he did like a... Uh, yeah, he did like a little Jewish thing when he was in prison, but then eventually... Yeah. 
his bit where he has the brother who's also him, twin brother, losing the hair. Absolutely fantastic bit. Always causing Michael quite a bit of stress, but always being irresponsible. Um, versus Tobias Funke, not a f- actually blood-related member of the family. We find out later there might be more. Um, no, but I, yeah, well, Tobias is uh, t- Tobias is maybe's father. Fa- so he's a father-in-law. Father, father-in-law. Um, now his build-ups for his jokes, I think, make the whole show. the The setup of the Blue Man Group to I blew, I just blew. There's blue all over the house. I mean, the whole Blue Man Group bit is absolutely priceless. The never nude bit, it's it's it is uh, absolutely fantastic. Tobias Funke. Tobias Funke. Moving on in the next round. Uh, next up, we have George Michael taking on Buster. Oh my God, these are tough ones. Um, so George Michael, the thing you, know, you gotta love about George Michael is just the lack of confidence um, that he has. Just perpetually unable to voice his true opinion, always scared of something. And it's just a reoccurring character for Michael Sarah. It doesn't really devolve much from what he currently does. Versus... Um, Buster, the man with the hook, the man with, uh, does he have a learning disability? Uh, we'll never know. Um, absolutely fantastic character. Love that he goes to the army. Love his attachment to Lucille Bluth. Love the storyline and always causing a kerfuffle. Just like that old South Park episode. He told me to switch the maps, switch the maps. So I switched the maps, switch the maps. He is that character. He is the curly of the Larry and the Moes. He is the winner. The curly of the Larrys and the Moes. Okay, next up. Coming up next in our final first round matchup, we have Job taking on Lindsay. 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 Um, this one's a fun one. I think the magi- the magician aspect of it is, I mean, what, uh, what the hell's his name? The actor for Job. Will Arnett's. Will Arnett, absolute fantastic character, has a, has a podcast out with um, George Michael. What's his name? With George Michael? Not the char- like the character. Michael Sarah? No, a senior, but not senior. <laughs> Middle. Who's George Michael's dad? Michael. Michael. Yes. So he has a podcast with Michael. It's called Smartless. It's okay. Anyway. Um, Drives home a great show. Fantastic, um, fantastic role. Love the magic and love the kerfuffles. Uh, versus Lindsay, who is just somewhat the dumb blonde in it that seems to cause a lot of problems, but really doesn't drive home as much of the narrative as our boy Will Arnett's character. I can't remember his name. Job. Job. Jesus Christ. I just said George it. Oscar I, Bluth. George Oscar Bluth. See, now you get it. Now you get it. Okay, okay. Cam, that, that means we're moving to our second round matchups where we have uh, Lucille taking on Tobias. Ooh. These two have great interactions in the show because they. Um, Tobias seems to just be ever ignorant to anyone around him, but. The mother absolutely hates him, which I think is a great dynamic um, for the reason that he is ignorant and continues to just make things 
funny by the setups. Gonna have to go with him, Tobias Funke. Wow. Wow. Tobias Funke walking around with that matchup. In our next round matchup, we have Job and Buster. Ooh, tough one. Uh, Beauty of the Buster is the uh, triple play on words. Lucille, his mother. Lucille, as in the loose seal. Um, And there was another one there that said something to do with the loose seal. There's another loose seal. Yeah, I don't remember what the loose seal is, but... One's the the loose seal that bites his hand off, and the other is the loose seal from the uh, trial of Captain Hook play that Michael was a part of, and he swings and he hits the seal on the wall behind the judge, and then the seal falls (laughs) off, and then somebody in the crowd, watch out for loose seal. Um, Lucille Bluth, though, just checking her makeup in the crowd. She has no clue what's going on. Oh God, the puns, the setups, the setups. Who could have thought this through? Um, yeah, for that reason, you gotta you gotta go with the hook, man. The man who represented our military. Bless the troops. Memorial Day was last week. Bless the bless the troops. God. Support the troops? I don't know. What do you Support say? and bless them. Agreed. Okay, here's our final matchup of the day, Cam. We have in our final March Madness, who's your favorite Arrest Development character? We have Tobias taking on Buster. The Funk Master. Um, yeah, I mean, I think these are both the char- the side characters who aren't really... Um, they do have stories to them, but they're not you know, our, our A story most of the time. But I think their B stories that they play are just so funny, so critical to the show to just, you know... Add those laughs that you just never saw coming. For that reason, I am going to take the the perpetual man trying to get into the blue man group. It's Tobias Funke. Not even a blood-related relative, but still my favorite character. Tobias Funke. Walking away as your favorite Arrested Development. Uh, <clears throat> as your favorite Arrested Development character. That was fantastic. Uh, slobs, you might remember. I didn't include Michael in this because the show is about Michael. So... Uh, I tried. I just tried to pick everybody else who wasn't him, um, because the show's about him. At the end of it, at the end of the day, really. You're a crook, Captain Hook. That's the song. That's the song. For all you fans, check it out. And Cam, watch season five because uh, I did. Watch it six more times. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's get into our final game of the evening, Cam. It's time to scour the world of headlines and figure out what is true, what is false, leading to our game, headline or asinine. Hey, 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 headline, headline or asinine. Getting better at it. Yeah, that was super succinct. We've got headlines back and forth to each other. Some are real, some are fake. Cam, I'm going to go first here. Hi or no hi Virginia man claims African country to make his daughter a princess. Virginia man claims African country to make his daughter a princess. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even understand that headline. It makes me want to click into it. Virginia man claims African country to make his daughter a princess. I, the the part I'm confused about is claims. So is he claiming that the country itself will make his daughter a princess or that he's claiming the country as his own or something to make his daughter a princess? 
Well, I don't uh, know. I only know as much as you can, but if I were to read the words that I said verbatim and that you repeated, it would sound maybe more like the second one. He claims the country? Uh, Virginia man claims African country to make his daughter a princess. I Yeah, see, I can't even wrap my head around that. How could you claim a country? Well, this is um, your gonna, this is your game, yeah, so maybe it requires is, your sick and twisted mind to see if you can make it work. I guess, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that he is. I, I don't know how how does one claim a country? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know the application process because I assume there's quite a bit of paperwork involved <laughs> with it. Uh, maybe a few phone calls, a few lawyers involved, or you just go ahead and say this country is now mine because I am a quarter, you know, African country name. Therefore, because of royalty. Yeah. Okay. There it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. He's claiming that he has ownership of the country because like 200 years ago, his DNA tested that his you know relative was a king of the country. Therefore, inheritance should go down to him and therefore claims his daughter should be princess. There's the explanation, Cam. So which was, which is it? Oh, headline. Okay, Cam. Well, this is a headline. It's too early for you sometimes. Sometimes you just can't quite think with your noodle because the sentence totally makes sense. You're just not thinking about it. This is a story coming out of Bert's Howell, which is a stretch, which is a stretch of land between Egypt and Sudan that neither country wants. There is no natural resources. It's flat. It's desert. Nobody wants it. Well, apparently, except for Jeremiah Heaton of Abingdon, Virginia, who has planted a, a flag in the midst of Bertowell and now claims this land as his own. Because after last Christmas, his six-year-old daughter, Emily, asked if she could be a princess uh, for Christmas. He said yes, and then worked towards claiming the 800-square-mile chunk of land that he owns and planted a flag, thereby making him the king. And if he's the king, well, that means his daughter must be the princess. However, planting a flag isn't quite enough to make, uh, you know, to kind of make a country. He would need approval by neighboring countries as well as the UN or whoever is in actual political control of the land. Although the land is just desert, Heaton would like to turn it into an agricultural area to help feed both the Sudan and Egypt on either side. Wow, that's uh, it's not what I took from that. That's, I know there was countries that were unclaimed. It's not, I don't think it's so much like it's unclaimed, it's that nobody wants it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's extra land, nobody, yeah, it's just desert, nobody wants it. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of stretches up there of land that nobody wants. Um, yeah, I didn't know there was that, that was a thing. Apparently. All right, Cam, headliner asked, Roman, sorry, Russian woman faces charges for allegedly suffocating husband to death with her massive buttocks. Her massive buttocks. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, murder your spouse or significant other, um, some kind of sex play gone wrong has to be a huge, uh, a huge kind of, you know, thing. Oh, he said it was a fetish. Oh, I didn't hear him say stop. All these sorts of things, right? I mean, I'm sure there's one man with a fetish out there who's like, yeah, I want you to suffocate me with that ass. 
and then it's just up to it, it's up to whoever's the request is like okay i'm going to suffocate you with my ass um and then you know maybe he gives you the he starts tapping you out you know, like, hey, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. And then you just kind of dig deeper down there with that booty. Um, it would be really easy, I think, you know, to claim he thought it was a fetish. And I'm sure it happens all over the world. Um, hopefully with no nefarious means at play. Uh, but I am going to say that this is a headline. This is a headline out of Russia, where a 224-pound Russian woman... Uh, did not do this accidentally or out of foreplay. Apparently during a boozy affair, uh, the lady's name is Tatiana, refused to let go of Idar, her husband, after he begged forgiveness after getting into a dispute. The... <laughs> oh, big bong rip from Cam. Big oh bong rip. Excuse me. Um, had the uh, Pfizer shot the other day, so I must be getting the Pfizer flu. You must be getting boners. That's why you have a boner too, right? Uh, nice. Jesus Christ, Cam. Anyway, um, she tried to calm him down after they got into an argument, but he apparently died from asphyxiator from blocking the respiratory system as his face was wedged into the mattress as Tatiana sat on his neck using her legs so he could not lift it. The medical examination found it's a very much uh, what's the deal with Gilbert Godfrey-esque situation we have here. Um, anyway, they're trying to How? charge her. What? How? What's the deal with Gilbert Godfrey? I've seen that movie a couple times. I don't remember a uh, cunnilingus suffocating scene. No, I think you'd be surprised. Okay. Um, watch season five again, Cam. Um, yeah, so they're trying to put this into court as a murder. She, they're trying to. She's trying to claim it was accidental. Other people are trying to claim that no, this was straight up murder. It could go either What's the deal way. With Gilbert Godfrey. It could go either way, Cam. You can't make a reference. If like you need a point, like you can't, you couldn't just say like, "Get in my belly," as if it's comedy because Mike Myers says it as a character. Like it would oh, need that's to classic. be That's good stuff, Cam. I mean, you can't just say like you know. Say it again. Do it one more time. No, I'm not doing it. All right, headliner. Give me another one. <laughs> okay, Cam. Uh, salami or bologna or salami? No, salami or bologna. Uh, large reservoir drained again due to urination. Large reservoir drained again due to urination. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and think that now that the state is opened up for business, everyone's outside, everyone's pissing outside because porta potties are, you know, hard to come by and also quite disgusting. I've worked in them. I know they're not pleasant places to be. So what do you do? You piss outside. And where does that piss go? Into reservoirs, because, I don't know, that's where piss goes. Um, for that reason, you just have to keep pumping it out, because people are outside, people are having a ball, and people got to piss when they're drinking. Headline. Cam, this is a headline here for you. God, your creativity isn't quite there yet today. What, you piss on the ground and then that permeates eventually into a reservoir, Cam? No, this is a story coming out of Mount Tabor Reservoir in Portland, Oregon, where a security camera caught two men attempting to scale a fence to enter a reservoir area. And while only one of the men were actually able to make it all the way up, the security camera showed the man opening up the front of his pants and taking a quick pee. 
into the reservoir. What's a reservoir? Uh, a large area of water. Drinkable um, water? Yeah, the water that gets drunken by Drank. presumably surrounding members of the Portland area. And as of course we all know, federal regulations say that any contamination of reservoir water will need an immediate draining. And as a result, 38 million gallons of clean, fresh drinking water uh, were flushed. This is not the first time that this has happened at this exact reservoir because back in 2011, um, 7.8 million gallons were drained after a little pissing incident. This is, uh, you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, they need better security. Why don't they just cover it up? Something like this, that, the other will cam. This is the very last reservoir in the state that remains uncovered. Of course, as we all can all remember, a federal regulation from 2015 said that all reservoirs needed to be covered up. This is the very last reservoir in the state to not be covered up, and the covering up process was in the midst of construction. Uh, however, that piss bandit snuck in there before it was completed, uh, possibly taking the last piss in uh, a reservoir that you'll see in America. Jesus. Who knew? Hate to see it. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that, Cam. Let's uh, let's cover that thing up. How do you? My my real question about the reservoir is how is it not contaminated more often if it's not covered? Um, I think well, it, it is behind like fences and kind of security posts, right? Like you would. But if I leave a cup of water out for I don't know two days, I don't drink it because I don't know what fell into it. Yeah, who knows? Well, it's, you know, I mean, of course, the water's going to be sitting there, and then it eventually needs to be, you know, they got to add the fluoride into it. They got to put the, uh, The you know, the the chemtrails, the 5G into there eventually. So, of course, like, you need somewhere to put it in the meantime. Uh, So it checks out. All right, Cam, headliner asked, and this one might come across a little odd to you. U.S. traffic deaths in 2020, highest yearly total since 2007. Yeah, well, I guess the surprise would be you didn't think that everyone would be driving around so much. You know, I can recall, um, you know, sometimes 2020 brought us some great statistics, right? There was the largest amount of time with no school shootings uh, since like 1972 or something, right? Because schools were closed from March to uh, like October or something, right? So some positive statistics can come out of this too, but also driving deaths. Maybe that's, you know, a little bit of... There was nowhere to go. A lot of people were maybe just driving around a little bit more. Country roads, back roads, just kind of looking to like, shit, we got to do something that's not sitting in your house or walking around your block because, of course, that can get boring. Uh, and people are looking for a way out. You know, you, 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 your, your work schedule was cut back. Your kid's school schedule was cut back. Suddenly you have way more time to do all these other things, driving around from here to there, drive, going camping, all these things that uh, just have you in your car more. So it stands to believe. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I just wonder, I, I, I hope it's like triple. I hope the um, the difference is huge. Uh, so I'm going to say that's a headline. It's a headline, and it's up 7.2%, which is surprising considering Americans drove 13% fewer miles. So people aren't driving more. They're just being less responsible. Um, now, this all opened up as soon as the second half of 2020 hit because that's when a lot of the lockdowns in the States, unlike Canada, uh, actually expired. So what they saw was increases in impaired driving, increases in speeding, and increases in failures to wear seatbelts. 
Uh, deaths from motorists not wearing a seatbelt were up 15%. Wow. Speeding-related deaths up 10%. And crashes involving alcohol rose 9%. So people just being irresponsible led to more people dying, not because more people were driving. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and they usually say, you know, the parking lot's the busiest place. Or, you know, you're more likely to get in an accident in a parking lot than anywhere else, you know, because that Costco parking lot is packed to the brim uh, with people. So that would make sense to me. But no, I guess it's just uh, just more people drinking booze. Nothing will change, right? That's it. Okay, Cam, I got one more here for you. Uh, headliner asked nine, man given a ticket for talking on his cell phone while on horseback. Ooh. Yeah, he's probably calling CAA to say that my car's stuck, but I found this horse in the I mean, uh, HAA? Field. What's HAA? Oh, horse AA. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he was calling and be like, listen, this this horse isn't uh, cutting it. I'm going to be late for my meetings. Get an Uber down here quick. <laughs> I don't know, making some calls. He'd be like, this horse shit is bullshit. Next thing you know, police pulls him over. You go, license and registration. He goes, oh, I'll pull it on my horse's ass. What the fuck are you pulling me over for? He goes, uh, you were uh, texting and horseback riding. And under code six eight two three four four five six seven horse, that's illegal. Um, yeah, I could probably see it happening. It's uh, it's unfortunate because you think you can get away with anything when, when you're on top of a horse. But hey, guess what? You're not invincible, horse people. Mm-hmm. That's a headline. Cam, this is a headline here for you. This is a story coming from rural New South Wales in Australia. Uh, when a man was pulled over for talking on his cell phone while on a horseback, and he was give, even given a ticket. Of course, the man shows up to his court date, pleads guilty because he really didn't see much way around it. He was on a horseback while talking on his phone. However, the judge sat down, read the items on the agenda, and dismissed the whole thing in 35 seconds due to its trivial nature and suggested that future rural Australia police force do not enforce self, cell phone horseback uh, related tickets. It's just a waste of time. Yeah, I think I'm on their side for that one. I also think that if you're on a horseback, you can get away from a cop relatively easy. Well, I mean, It's like when I'm on my bicycle doing things illegally. I think if an officer in a car were to pull me over, I could get away pretty quickly, and I don't think they're going to chase me. I mean, we just saw we just saw Kit be uh, confused by a horseback. You know, Michael Knight ended up getting him in the way. But Cam, that brings up a larger question. So if you were breaking the law on your bike, and a police cruiser came up behind you, rang the sirens... You would, you would run. Depends on how well I know the area. Okay, let's right? say if you, I'm in, you know the area just fine. You would run away. From, I, you if, would run away from the cops if you were breaking. I the would law? say if if I if I knew I was doing something really bad, and I was like a hundred percent certain I knew the trails around me, then yeah, I'd probably just be like, "Fuck Shit. it, I'm leaving." No, way to go! Way to go! Yeah, just think about it. I'm like, if I can hit on a trail and then there's it branches off to three spots and then that spot branches off to three spots, I'm like, yeah, I know this trail like the back of my hand. No one can chase me. And then on top of that, the chance of them like finding me, I have a jacket in the back of my bike that I can change into clothing for. Pretty easy. See, in my mind, if I'm doing something illegal in the first place, running away, I've seen too many episodes of Live PD to know that running away is only going to hurt your 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 uh, your case but who knows maybe it's yeah it's a degree of Ill- illegality i just don't think anyone's gonna chase you on a bike 
Yeah, you never know. You never know. Hopefully not. Right. Unless it's a bike cop. And even then, I think I get to smoke them. <laughs> Headliner ass night, Cam. West Virginia offers trucks and guns as COVID vaccine incentives. Now, we saw this uh, earlier on or maybe late last year in Michigan when they were giving out free joints to anyone who wanted to get a vaccine. Uh, they called it something punny also, like jab for weed or uh, something like that uh but yeah trucks and gun now this seems to be like the other way around but also it could be um to kind of influence those you know i mean i would think that you know conservative rednecks are the group not getting vaccinated the most you know so maybe by incentivizing them with things like guns trucks tickets to Dallas Cowboys football games. Uh, these could all be good things to get, uh, you know, people with vaccines. My only concern is that, like, get a vaccine, get a joint. Yeah, a joint is what? Seven and a half dollars? That makes a lot of sense. It's dis- It's troubling to me that a gun is so inexpensive that they can just give them away for getting a vaccine. Uh, I wish I wish I could have gotten a truck, you know, when I got hep- my hepatitis B vaccine in a shot in uh, grade seven. That would have been really nice. But no, um, I would I hope it's, uh, you know, I'd love to know the standards on it. It's like it's a used gun or it's a uh, it's you get a truck, but it has two hundred and seventy five thousand kilometers on it. And it's pretty close to needing a new engine. Uh, I hope there's a lot of stipulations there that I love to hear. Um, but I'm going to say this is asinine. This is actually a headline out of West Virginia where you have it a little little incorrect, Cam. It's it's a raffle system. Oh, you didn't so say not, raffle. <laughs> well, I didn't say I that wasn't. You headline. left it out on purpose. That's I why get you it. click. Um mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, this is an incentive program they're doing where once you get the shot, you get your raffle number, and they're giving away a lot of stuff. So they're giving away shotguns, trucks in their raffle, licenses, uh sorry, lifetime licenses to the gun and club association, blah 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 hunting licenses for X amount of years. They're really trying to target that redneck market with a lot of different incentives. And apparently I think it's probably just going to create more, um, more people being like, look, they're trying to, they're trying to give us, look, look, they're, they're going to follow them shields. Huh? I ain't no sheep. I ain't no sheep. I have my shotgun and they're just, what you're going to pay me to get a vaccine now. If this isn't conspiracy, I don't know what is. How many bulls shot on the JFK assassination? You tell me. Hmm? Hmm? Are you still doing I'm, a bit? Or are I'm you looking waiting, for an I'm answer? Waiting. What was the, what was even the question? How many bulls were shot? Bullets. How many bullets? Oh, I don't know. Two, three, four. Three. Magic bullet. Anyway, moving ahead. That's all I got for you. <laughs> well, that was nice and succinct, Cam. I love it when you uh, start to drift away towards the end of the podcast, which can only mean one thing. That means it's the end of the episode. What you going to mean? Thanks for listening, folks. Remember, you can rate, review, like, and subscribe. The podcast is everywhere. Spotify, YouTube, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Premium. It's everywhere. And don't forget, folks, last night, uh, Cam, we'll watch this, but last night, I'm going to go ahead and call it, Jake Paul knocked out Floyd Mayweather. We all remember Jake Paul knocking out Floyd Mayweather. It was like seven hours ago, and it was huge. Big deal. Incredible. Incredible. That's my prediction for the weekend. Sounds great. Take care, folks. Continuing tonight on two season of pod.
96.7 on your... Two C's in a pod, 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 two C's just like two C's in a pod, two C's because we're two C's in a pod, two C's just like two C's in a pod, two C's in a pod at gmail.com.